0: the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. This week we're sharing a highlight from the 17th New York Asian Film Festival, now playing here at the Film Society through July 15th. This exciting annual showcase brings to New York audiences the most exciting comedies, dramas, thrillers, romances, horrors, and arthouse films from East Asia. During the festival, Japanese director Masatu Harada, who studied filmmaking in London and worked as a film critic in Los Angeles, delivered a masterclass in which he discussed his career, the state of contemporary Japanese cinema, and the role of cinema in public discourse. A master storyteller in the tradition of Akira Kurosawa, he has been chosen to receive this year's New York Asian Film Festival Star Asia Lifetime Achievement Award. Let's go now to his masterclass.
1: And my colleague, Karen Sevens, who's uh, the programmer, <laughs> Thank you. the film programmer from the Foreign Correspondents Club of Japan. She also programs uh, a lot of Japanese films there and is a longtime friend, let's say, of director Masato. Uh, so I think, uh, Karen, would you like to kick off this conversation? Uh, why we we actually dis, uh, chose together a few months ago that uh, this year would be uh, timely for us to have a tribute to the works of um, Masato Harada and offer him our Lifetime Achievement uh, Award. So do you want to talk a little bit about that first?
2: Yes, certainly. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I hope that some of you have had the chance to see the three films that we showed during the festival, Kamikaze Taxi, Kakekomi, and Gahara." all strong Ks. <laughs> um, all uh, a range of time periods and a range of subjects, but also, of course, reflecting the themes that Mr. Harada is constantly obsessed with. Um, although he is a great entertainer, he's obsessed with social themes and one of the only Japanese films who's focused, f- filmmakers who's focused on always representing uh, taboo subjects and overturning myths and looking at issues that other filmmakers are not looking at. How many people did see the films? Okay. I don't know if I need to say very much about each of the films but but since we'll be talking about those tonight and I hope you'll be asking questions let's just briefly review Kamikaze Taxi was made in 1994 it started out actually as a video film that was shot on 16 millimeter and it did so well in its first part at a foreign festival a couple of foreign festivals that it was then released and um, has remained one of his masterworks. It's the story of a Peruvian-Japanese taxi driver who picks up a fare uh, that he may wish he'd never picked up, a young yakuza who is in trouble with a politician. And uh, it's an American buddy movie, road movie, crossed with a Japanese, very strong Japanese current of... (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hake be.
2: Komi is, um, takes place in um, 14, 1842, uh, and it's a, a real tale of sisterhood about women who are abused by their husbands and they become supplicants at a temple uh, that's about 30 miles from Tokyo where they can spend a couple of years before getting divorces from their husbands. This is during the Edo period, very unusual. And finally, in 1600, his epic battle film, Sekigahara, is the battle that took place with about 180,000 soldiers, 30,000 of whom would die on a single day that really determined the modern course of Japanese history. So, That's enough from me. Um,
3: (laughs) I'm still jet lag. So,
2: so, um, tell us what you thought of of that selection. Were you surprised by the three films that we selected to show?
3: Well, originally it was four, right? Uh, Yes,
1: yes, it's true. I'm I'm afraid I did that cut. Well, Chronicle
3: of My Mother, it was included, but it was shown at the Japan Society some time ago. Yeah, I showed
1: it. I selected in like no, my oh, own defense. okay okay I was the curator at the time
3: Yeah but the uh, these three films uh, sort of each represent sort of important uh, uh, aspect of my career and with Kamikaze Taxi uh, it was my eighth film up until Kamikaze Taxi I you know didn't know which direction I want to go and with Kamikaze Taxi I think I I think I, I, I know, the. Uh, I'm beginning to understand the craftsmanship and also develop a beautiful relationship with my actors. And uh, it's a first film that uh, was shown uh, overseas from festival. Uh, well, the previous films, some of them were shown, but this Kamikaze Taxi had a kind of sensational, uh, tour of myself uh, starting from London to San Francisco and also uh, Vienna and the responses are really great and, and so I you know just I thought my career started and finally you know that's uh, to me it's really important film and then uh What's next? <laughs> the, the, or ka, um, if in
2: order, kakekune, right, which right. is you know 20 I can years later, you maybe yeah. On, yeah. on
1: this one, uh, how do you regard the films you made before? I mean, at the time, in the context of 1994, when you made Kamikaze Taxi, you were right off uh, that manga, that live manga thing, uh, Gunhead. You had just made Gunhead. You had made. Well, the, how do you
3: regard these films? Well, Gunhead was 1988. And it's a sci-fi action film, and actually, James Cameron liked that film. (laughs) And so I was invited to Hollywood at the time, and then sort of started to develop certain project uh, for Cameron and his company. And it didn't happen anyway, (laughs) but, uh, well, yeah, I was, with Gunhead, I think I got uh, my first agent in Los Angeles. But um, I know, none of those projects has materialized. Up to my first film, I made uh, in 1979. It's called Goodbye Flickmania. And it had a premiere in San Francisco. And, and, and then uh, prior to Comic Con's Taxi, uh, I made, well, my second film was called Races or Windy. And it was the uh, first English-speaking film I directed uh, with uh, Japanese-German co-production. My producer was uh, the German guy named Manfred Darniok, who produced uh, uh, Mephisto with uh, Istvan Sabo. So I trusted him for that kind of taste, but uh, no. He <laughs> was a totally different guy from uh, you know working with Ištvan, And so it's just a sort of uh, typical family entertainment uh, kind of film. And, and then uh, prior to Kamika's Taxi, I, I directed, I wrote and directed my second English-speaking film, and it was entirely shot in Nevada, and it's uh, sort of on one location basically it's a one situation drama it's a sort of crime movie but involving the uh, one of 27 tokyo roses in reality tokyo rose existed 27 women and the, the accused one miss uh, iba toguri she was not the tokyo rose but anyway, it's a, so, so. This this is another social issue. Historical background was involved, and that film was with uh, Nobu McCarthy played this uh, uh, real Tokyo rose, and retired, and you know he became the owner of uh, uh, the desert cafe, and and sort of three youngsters. Uh, going there. It's, it's, it's sort of Hemingway's, uh, the killer's kind of story. And it's combination of those crime movie with the uh, females, uh, the sort of she resisted uh, the, to, to the uh, pressure from Japanese militarism, but uh, succumbed to that and became a Tokyo Rose. And she was, you know, reg- that's, uh, she, she, she's, she was suffering from her past. And then there was this, uh, how Lomans starts with the uh, James Gammon's character. James Gammon played uh, one of the gangsters, aged gangsters. But uh, it was really difficult for me to do that with the uh, independent production uh, with a budget of 1.5 million or less. And then uh, for some reason, the American producer wanted to use the uh, only transportation unions. And well, if I go into the details of this problem, then I need uh, maybe another hour or two, but, so I skip it. But anyway, I was frustrated of uh, making this uh, painted desert. It's, it's almost like a petrified forest kind of a film. And so during this, uh, you know, shooting i was so frustrated about the production itself and also the situation and concentrating on those characters in one situation drama so i started thinking about okay i want to make road movie next time and and then uh, those comic because ideas started coming up together because of a personal situation can we can we can we
1: talk about that Personal situation you mentioned it yesterday. I yeah. thought it was interesting. You didn't elaborate too much on it But I thought it was really interesting
3: you know, Well, the there are several different elements of come together you know, as a filmmaker I'm sure some of you are actually a filmmaker, but you, you have to develop sort of several projects at the same time and then if you're stuck with one idea, then you go to the different direction or create another character and start another story. And that way, by the time I was ready to write comic a Taxi, probably I had um, maybe 50 different ideas of future project. And for example, the uh, taxi driver story, uh, there's this uh, sort of beautiful relationship drama about one Japanese taxi driver who, Got this passenger, and and he was in halley and 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 to get this uh, particular flight leaving from uh, Haneda, I think, and so you know he sped up and and, and made it by the time uh, for the for the flight, and that was uh, Japan Airlines. Uh, uh, it crashed in the mountains and he died. So this driver, I saw this uh, on the documentary, and this driver, he realized that he was the last person who saw this passenger alive. So maybe uh, he felt that that was his duty to identify the corpse of this passenger. So he actually drove up to the mountain and, uh, you know, just uh, that kind of story of Taxi Driver, I remembered. So I wanted to also, at that time, I'm still in love with most of uh, Martin Scorsese films, um, and actually met Martin several times and got uh, some nice uh, anecdotes uh, from him on my uh, Jibaku Spellbound film. And his Taxi Driver, I always wanted to make something about Taxi Driver. And also, the, uh, uh, I love his Raising Bull. And that's uh, you know, totally uh, original, unique subject and we, not Hollywood can make that kind of film anymore. And it's sort of representative of the, uh, the wave of the best American films started in 1966, 67, and ended in 1980 with Raising Blue and Reds. And those are the, uh, to me, the golden era of American cinema. So, in a way, as an homage to Marty's uh, Taxi Driver and Raising Bull*, and all those violence and coming together. And, you know, started uh, researching this, background of this taxi driver and then I came across at that time I, I was living in Los Angeles and I came across with the uh, interesting books about the Sendero Luminoso and also Quechua India uh, language book and, and the landscape of those Quechua uh, Andean and also I started liking those Andean folklores and all those elements coming together And once I started writing about this, I came taxi. So it's a lot of different influences combined. Is that typical of
1: how you made films afterwards? Is that how you sort of established a formula, a template
3: to build your films? Yes. uh, You know, when you move toward the right direction, all those uh, necessary elements or the people you want to work with come to you. And, And that way, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I've been lucky, and sort of, for example, uh, the when I first wrote "Kamikaze Taxi," the as image was not uh, Koji Yakusho. I, I, I thought about somebody else, and then the with this screenplay, I went back to Japan. And then I met several friends and, you know, just working in the movie industry. And somebody started saying that uh, w- recently uh, Koji Yaksha is doing, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's becoming totally different. I mean, to me, Koji Yaksha was sort of, he made so many TV series and then Jidaigeki, you know, samurai piece. Or, and and also, although he was in uh, Juzo Itami's tanpopo I wasn't impressed by his performance in that film, and and then this guy, a friend of mine, he he was also actor, and he strongly recommended Koji uh, Yaksho. If he plays a bad guy, he would be really nice. <laughs> and so I started thinking about uh, y- Yaksho as a potential candidate. And then at that time he had uh, this very interesting aged manager and he read my screenplay and he strongly recommended Yaksho to play the lead and so we met and you know i was fascinated by his character and then afterwards this uh, rehearsal session started now actually the uh, production of, of the kamikaze taxi was postponed for about three months and and then during these three months Yaksho researched those Peruvian Japanese, Brazilian Japanese or Japanese who were educated overseas and not good enough to speak a perfect Japanese. And Kamikaze is basically a story about this uh, a man uh, who's uh, humiliated and insulted. And it, it happened to my son when he came back to Japan to go into the elementary school. And so that kind of element was combined. Uh, so uh, during these three months, Yaksho probably met several those uh, immigrants. And he came up with his own idea of Kantake's vocabulary. I mean, his intonation in the movie, and he spoke Japanese, but uh, it's un-Japanese Japanese. And it's really charming. And he was well prepared. prepared. For, for the role.
2: Has he changed over these eight times that you've worked with him since then?
3: Well, I think uh, every time, uh, well, basically he's, he's very, uh, how do you say, the uh, simple man. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's really nice to work with, gentle and introverted and not so opinionated
2: but but always well-prepared.
3: Yes, uh, uh, prepared and, and sort of, you know, different angle. And, and he also has a great sense of sort of, you know, this uh, understanding of reading screenplay and anal- uh, analyze uh, character. And, for example, the... Uh, I made uh, what, two films, uh, sort of homage to Ozu Yasujiro's work, and one of them was called uh, uh, Ari Otan, and it was a TV movie. And in there, the, I wrote certain things about the, uh, the main character Yaksha played. Uh, he, he's actually the uh, sort of... Uh, <laughs> That's um, the, the, the father of a bride, and then his daughter is getting married, just like the, uh, uh, the end of, uh, what was that, the Samanaji, uh, late, late Autumn? Yes. Mm-hmm. Late, late Autumn? You've Late
1: Autumn, right? Yeah.
3: yeah late yeah. Autumn. So the, the TV movie starts out, the father, uh, the, when the uh, late autumn ended. And, and so the, the daughter is getting married, and he's lonely. And this father has a habit of everything to sort of folding, and, and the papers folding, you know, that, that kind of habit. And it was in the screenplay, but uh, Yaksho sort of developed more into this character. And, and you know, wherever he goes, anything he picks up. For example, he goes to Kyoto and stays at Ryokan. And in Kyoto Khan always the I mean, hotel, uh, always the Okami, the mis- uh, mistress of the, of the house, would uh, come out and say hello and with Oshibori. <laughs> and During the re- this rehearsal, they, when uh, this Oshibori was presented, he actually started folding it, just like the character. So he can, you know, think, everything in detail, and, and make all those characters I wrote more three-dimensional.
1: So it seems rather uh, central to, uh, it, uh, to your career, like your relationship with Yaksho Koji seems to have really take, taken it to the next well, level. yeah,
3: there's, so there's, so to speak. that's a, one of the strong reasons why I worked with Yaksho, because you know, if I give this role, please, you know, play this role, and then he can come up with the character. So it's easy to work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up to now, even, he was still, he's still in Sekigahara. Yeah, and, well, in uh, case
3: of Sekigahara, I wanted him to. He's always played a good guy in my film. So now, this time, just I wanted him to sort of you know, play with the. Uh, Bad characters some somebody like you know you love to hate you know like Erich von Stroheim character in the sunset boulevard, <laughs> and and also uh, I intended uh, to make the Sihara the, the, the uh, structure of seekingahara is borrowing from the Godfather, so I even asked him, just play like Maron Brando with, with those uh, the Cheeks, oh, the Cheeks. No, they, putting putting something You said mouth, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, with that weird uh, yeah.
1: diction
3: Yeah, in, uh, and he tried <laughs> and, and then He, he tried and a couple of weeks later And he said Please With this in my mind And with this uh, uh, You know, the uh, period piece Dialogue, I can't say anything And so I uh, just uh, we gave up on that idea. But all those ideas about this uh, ear, ear robe, huge ear robe, actually that's uh, the special makeup. And also this, what you call? Bags. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and deeper bags. And that's all Yaksho's idea.
2: And what about his stomach?
3: The, the stomach also. The stomach was my idea. <laughs> 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 and, and I wanted to show that, that the real Yes, had that kind of a stomach, and uh, also he was, even though he was a health freak, and he he ate all those health food from that era, and he even wrote about those books. But still, he had this huge belly, and I wanted to show that in the uh, you know the old style pasta episode, and and so it's the, the special makeup, and it worked really well. And also, I used uh, one of the uh, production assistants who had real big uh, bottom. And so, from behind, uh, he played this double.
2: A butt double.
3: Butt double. (laughs) I kind of uh, see I mean maybe,
1: maybe that maybe that's just the way I see your films but I see an opposition I see oppositions you have like Yakusho Koji on, on the one hand at the same time the female characters are quite uh, central as well uh, and in the same way you you've made a lot of contemporary dramas on social issues illegal immigrants and Jokoite teenage prostitution and on the other hand you're making Uh, especially in uh, recent years, a lot of jidaigeki, you've recently focused a little more on that. So there seems to be these two oppositions, the modern and the ancient, and male and female. So I want to ask you about that, if that's a part of your creative process at
3: all. Whenever I create characters, I'm always interested in those who are humiliated and and insulted. Since, um, well, I had been living in Los Angeles for so many years, I wasn't treated badly, but, you know, as one of minority members, as an Asian, uh, occasionally I felt something like that. And also, just judging from the past movies, always those who are humiliated and comes up as a hero and sort of redeem his existence or his cause, and that always attracted me. And all those female characters in Japanese films always humiliated and insulted, and I wanted to make some kind of justice or stronger. So in case of the bad guys, they, that's the reverse. I wanna I want to show, well, for example, the animal character in uh, Kamikaze Taxi, he's, he's a, cruel bastard, but at the same time, I wanted to focus something good about him. I mean, he has good taste in jazz. (laughs) Something like that, (laughs) you know, it's it's, it's a balance. And, okay, one of my guilty pleasures, I love James Bond movies, but those bad guys are too Mm one-dimensional. You know, if I watch direct, (laughs) Double seven 7 series. I want to create very charming bad guys.
1: <laughs> it is. It is a great character. On top of it, I mean, uh, animal character, Animalu, uh, played by Mickey Curtis. Yeah. On top of On top of that, I thought that was a brilliant choice.
3: Well, uh, the actually that Mickey Curtis, well, although he was he appeared in my uh, Gunhead uh, prior to Comical Taxi. I didn't think of him for that role mm-hmm. but uh, his, his son um, his son also my, my son's name is Eugene and Mickey Curtis son's also named Eugene mm-hmm. uh with a different kanji calligraphy and for some reasons I just wanted to use the uh, Mickey Curtis son for one of the uh, uh youth gangs and <laughs> Mickey's sort of stole the screenplay from his son and, and read it and thought that, okay, this animal was written for me. <laughs> <laughs> At that time I was, you know, thinking somebody real big and meaty, tough guy. Uh, his name is Yasoka, Rikia Yasoka. And the, because of the musical music element of Kamikaze Taxi was so important, we recorded the music way before the production, the Andean folklore. And while, all of a sudden, at this music, music studio, you know, we were recording this uh, uh, Andean folklore, and Mickey just came in and just uh, sort of threatened me <laughs> that, uh, okay, this animal role, I need to do that, uh, you know, just, just, you gotta give me this. And if you give me this role, I can use all my costumes, including, he had the great, uh, the great collection of swatch, uh, very expensive ones. Swatch, is, yeah. is that right?
2: But there's no expensive ones.
3: You mean just well, watches. Rare, watches. R- 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 swatches. rare swatches are very oh. expensive. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, we're she doesn't things. know. Okay. I no idea. <laughs> So I was attracted to that uh, collection, and <laughs> also he had really fancy suits. And then I, yeah, immediately I thought, okay, Mickey, you can get, <laughs> you get the part, and and so it worked. Mm. And he was really good and and doing that and sort of improvise some of the lines and also Mickey, uh, well, some of the Mickey's habits uh, was used in the film as part of uh, the animal character.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about how you work with actresses now since we mentioned your work with uh, Yakshokoji and two questions in one also. Uh, You, as far as I know, you... Actresses.
3: actresses. Okay. I'm good at working with difficult actresses.
1: <laughs> Shall we talk about... For example, like Kiki Kirin-san. Kiki, Kiki Kirin, yeah. She
3: loves me. <laughs> and well, chronicle of my mother, she really enjoyed uh, working... With me and I enjoyed working with her, and she's versatile and very talented actress. And she can come up with the idea, and she won't insist, but she's gonna test you, you know. uh, (laughs) Just in front of the camera, she, she, the first take, she goes to the uh, over the top, and if director won't say anything, she keeps doing that, and. I hate those over-the-top performances, you know, the typical Japanese acting, sort of kabuki type of acting. (laughs) (laughs) And and everybody's afraid of Kiki Kirin-san, you know, so they're not, not so many directors can say, no, no, that's that's not right. But uh, for some reasons, I'm, you know, I can say that in, with, with smile, <laughs> and so she enjoyed that. And then next time she can come up, with the second take, she totally changes the line deliberately and then becomes natural. And, well, I think this is better, and I thought you liked this. And then, you know, everything afterwards, she trusted me and I trusted her, and so it was fun working with her. And also the same thing goes to, uh, Mits- uh, not Miss alone, but the young actresses. Even if they have sort of some difficulties, you, you, you just, you know, I, I think I'm a good communicator and I can talk them into acting and I listen to them. And so I think one of the, the most important things for a director is the communication skills. So you, you have to communicate with your crew members and you also, you know, maybe play a father character to some younger actresses and it's, it's sort of fun working with actors and talking to them and listen to them. And also, uh, you know, like the, I mentioned about Raising Bull the great thing about raising bull was that um, uh, well, these days uh, um, people saying that um, raising bull was written by Paul Schrader and Schrader's sc- screenplay was good, but Paul Schrader's screenplay was just a first draft, and actual screenplay was written by Deniro and Joe Pesci with. Uh, uh, Ma- mm-hmm. uh, the, the, Mardek Martin, Martin, Martin Scorsese's friend, um, Madik Martin, I think, he sort sure. of organized. Those four of them sit together and talk and, and speak, and, and then those lines came out. So this kind of talking session was... Uh, what, what I was talking about, I forgot the... Why talking,
2: I... talking to your crew and actors.
1: Yeah, communicating yeah. with uh, the crew and communicating so,
3: with actors. So let's
2: talk about collaborating, because you always write your own scripts.
3: Right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay. So I always write my own screenplay, but uh, I listen to those actors and, and their ideas, or... You feel comfortable saying this line, if, if not comfortable, just uh, tell me what, what, what kind of you know dialogue you want to say, and so uh, that uh, that kind of communication I always in- enjoy. It's a, it's like a sort of catch ball.
2: How about working with your with your son Eugene, who has been your now your editor on the past five films that you've made? And he's, he's been nominated well, for Best Editing for...
3: My uh, previous editors, they are always afraid of me and didn't say anything bad about uh, you know, the, <laughs> the post-production. But Eugene's not afraid of me, and uh, he knows me inside out. And so whenever I make a sort of wrong choice of putting some element together, he say, where that, that won't work. I mean, if you use uh, this uh, first take, Kiki Kirin-san just made this kind of face and it would work, and you know, something like that kind of suggestion comes in. And, and, well, he's also uh, studied my films uh, in detail, and so, always his suggestion was, was precise. And uh, generally speaking, I have my own vision. And, and, but uh, during the production, during the shooting, I also listened to my DP, you know, asked you know, uh, what kind of lenses you want to sh- use. And, and normally I just specify this should be 35 or this is, I need uh, 65 or 120 millimeter. And I can share, I I want my DP to share my my sort of visual image of the screenplay. And the same thing goes to Eugene and and Eugene always helps me in the same area I missed because Eugene uh, was, and he is an actor, and so he can think in terms of uh, actor's point of view. And so, whenever there are some good performances, and I tend, you know, I, I, I sort of start to eliminate that kind of element, he just sort of try to help those actors to save those images. And so, you know, that I I can trust him for that, yeah, element.
2: Is there someone who reads your screenplays and talks with you about them? Because you do probably more research than any director on, on the planet. And just from this talk, you've heard how wide-ranging his interests and knowledge are. So... Yeah. Uh, someone... You know. I thought she you did. Know.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> my, my, the first reader of my screenplay is my wife. And... She's very opinionated woman, <laughs> but uh, she 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 was a journalist and so she has this journalistic point of view, but uh, she was, she's not creative. She can say anything negative, but uh, nothing creative, <laughs> 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 but still I can listen to her and then maybe I start thinking about, oh, maybe something wrong in this um, episode and she would say certain things and so <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, this uh, making movies is a family business <laughs>
1: uh, perhaps we should uh, take some questions from the audience as well I think we've asked a lot of questions already the gentleman here I really loved Kakakomi and one of the things, many things I like about it is that I'm a Zen
0: Buddhist and I thought it was the most interesting Depiction of Zen Buddhism I've ever seen in the film. While watching the film, I thought about many of Mitsuguchi's films, and you had mentioned when you introduced one particular film. So I'd be interested in hearing anything you'd like to say about Mitsuguchi and his influence
3: on you. Well, uh, uh, Mitsuguchi films, uh, those classics, I studied a lot. But uh, I can't say Mizubishi is my favorite director, but except that uh, this uh, Gionbayashi, uh, a geisha. That's a marvelous film. And also, you know, in the Kakekomi, there's a lot of influence from life of O'Haru. And the uh, Ogin character, Mitsushima's character, when she you know, comes out of the Edo, and, and going, uh, the, moving through the, uh, toward the uh, Kamakura area uh, at the Takanawa Gate. And that musical element is sort of copied from Life of Oharu. And then, strange thing happened when I uh, scouting locations in Sekigahara. And the opening episode of Sekigahara, one of the opening episodes, is that where a young Ishida Mitsunari Sakichi, uh, 12-year-old Sakichi met uh, Hideyoshi at certain temple. It's a a famous story. And I couldn't find this uh, nice-looking, you know, real characteristic temple because it's a really important setup. And so we looked for all those uh, locations um, near Lake Biwa and Kyoto, and finally, there's one place that was familiar from the past. And I chose that, and then I thought about that, and it was a temple. Mizoguchi shot the last scene of Life of Oharu. So it's, it's called Tenneiji in, in uh, Gifu area. So maybe Mizoguchi might have an influence over my making this more than I thought. That, uh, um, and also the, in Sekigahara, I, I checked those uh, Ugetsu and uh, uh, Sancho, the Bayou, uh, several times because of the costume element. And the Mizoguchi's film was always uh, in, in detail. That's really fabulous. Oh, and another thing I have to add is that uh, um, the reason why I don't like Mizoguchi as much as I like Kurosawa or Ozu, that's because Mizoguchi didn't write a screenplay. That's uh, for me, it's a big minus. Yoda was
1: uh, Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the G-
3: Gionbayashi, a geisha, was written by Yoda, Giken Yoshitaka. He actually lived in Kyoto and stayed at the geisha house and then studied all those languages. That, that's why that's, those dialogues of uh, geisha is still vivid and it's so perfect in the Kyoto dialect and everything. And mizumichi just, you know, whenever he was presented the screenplay, he didn't specifically say anything, but he said, well, maybe you better do it again. You know, it's, it's just a... Uh, uh, those screenwriters who worked for Mr. suffered a lot. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, other
1: questions from the audience, or oh, we can say the the lady right here.
2: Which kind of spectator are you? I mean, are you demanding
3: of, you know, Watching? you Oh. Are there yeah, probably demanding or. Uh, Although yeah. Although
2: you saw Oceans Eight the other night. <laughs>
3: Okay, Ocean's Aid, I, I saw Ocean Aid uh, like this, <laughs> the first row, and so I couldn't recognize who's who. <laughs> Just uh, recognize them by the voice, but I enjoyed the performances. I mean, Sandra Block looked like Michael Jackson, <laughs> but uh, all those, Nuances of her lines and particularly the exchange with kate Blanchet it's, it's marvelous, and so I dropped up to work with Kate, not Sandra. <laughs> 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 and all those eight characters, and particularly that Korean American, Korean chinese american woman Ari, uh, Aquafina yes. Aquafina She was so good, I was impressed so. Whenever I see movies, I try to pick up something good about that. But at the same time, ah, I criticize heavily. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm basically a film buff.
1: Perhaps that's also your background as a film critic. I mean, you you, you work for Kinema Jumpo for a while.
3: Yes, but it's a, it's a sort of different film critic. When I worked as a film critic, it's, it was sort of wanna be a filmmaker. So if I were the director, I would do this, and you know, something like that is uh, my point of view. Criticize any kind of film.
1: Since we're on the topic of uh, Japanese cinema, I don't know if there was a question you can ask. uh, uh, I'm just going to ask this one question. Uh, Since we're on the topic of Japanese film and the influence of uh, this or that Japanese filmmaker, going back to Sekigahara, I I thought that there was a big Kurosawa Akira influence and you just mentioned uh, him so I want to ask you about that specifically the battles I was often reminded of the late, late style Kurosawa like Ran or Kagemusha the shadow warrior uh, movies like that was that an influence at all well
3: the uh, Akira Kurosawa Mr. Kurosawa I met him several times and I wrote a book t- together <laughs> with him and sort of interviewing him and analyze some of his films. It was right after the, uh, uh, what was it, no uh, Rhapsody, English title, Rhapsody, Rhapsody yeah, in August, August, in August, in August yeah. yeah. And generally speaking, I think uh, uh, Kurosawa-san, he was great in his black and white film days. And for the end of his career, all the, the color films he directed as boring to me. <laughs> oh, wow! Okay, so not another uh, influence and, and at all. <laughs> but uh, those Seven Samurai, Rashomon, and and even the uh no Kiroku, thats we—I I live in fear. It's it's one of the underrated films of his career. I think it's uh, the. I Live in Fear, if you look at that film today, it's much, much better film than Ikiru. And, and, and also this I Live in Fear has sort of really sort of close relationship with uh, Tokyo Story by Ozu. And it's like, a, for example, Howard Hawks made uh, Red River mm-hmm. and John Ford made the sagas, and there's certain similarity between them because John Ford was... <laughs> when he saw the John Wayne in Red River, John Ford never thought that he, John Wayne, can play those aged uh, character and he was sh- ashamed of himself and he stole the basic idea of Red River and used at the opening episode of The the Searchers. So the same thing happened with uh, Kurosawa. I think uh, the Tokyo Story was released just a couple of months, one year prior to uh, I Live in Fear. And, well, I love all the films, but Tokyo Story is, to me, it's a sort of mediocre. One strong reason is that uh, the the father character, and he plays aged father, but at that time uh, he was only 40 years old or something. So he needed to wear this, uh, uh, put something on the back, and then he didn't look like real old man if you see Tokyo Story today. But Toshiro Mihune in I Live in Fear, he plays this, old man. And and then there's certain messages that Kurosawa made toward the end of the film that uh, Ozu always used. You know, That's, I think, I didn't realize this kind of uh, the, the elements, sort of similarity between those two films when I met Kurosawa after Mr. Kurosawa died. And then I started checking his films and Ozu films and you know, several times and I finally came to the conclusion that Kurosawa was, was really sort of jealous of Ozu's success in the Tokyo story. And so he wanted to make this, I live in Pierre and using some of, borrowing some of Ozu element. Now talking about this, uh, the Kurosawa and the Ozu I think, uh, like I said, Kurosawa's uh, color films are sort of going downhill, just like Hard Hogs and John Ford. When they uh, aged, uh, they made those boring films. Uh, Ozu Yasujiro, his, uh, his films in color, it's the last six films, I think he also evolved throughout his career, just like Ingmar Bergman. And, and it, it just, you know, a little by little, just also challenged himself and then sort of started. And, and although he died at the age of 60, uh, I think he and, and Ingmar Bergman, both of them are sort of built up the, their career, continued evolving. And that's why I, Of course, I respect Kurosawa because of the Seven Samurai, and it it has such a big influence on uh, any kind of jidaienki, and particularly when I made Sekigahara, I wanted the battle sequence as good as uh, the uh, Seven Samurai. But of of course, Seven Samurai, they spent some uh, 20 million (laughs) dollars and (laughs) this. I, I was only able to spend nine million dollars on the Sekigahara, <laughs> and so I had a handicap. But <laughs> still, <laughs> I tried my best, and we tried uh, very best. And it's a bigger battle on top of it. <laughs> it's a oh, lot we, more people. Well, it's, I think you the those Toho producers who worked on the Kurosawa's uh, last films like Ran and Kagemusha, and uh, they said, "Okay, Sekigahara is better than Ran and Kagemusha." <laughs> so. I think even for Toho people, this uh, the battle sequence was, of the second impressive. it was impressive. Uh,
1: we're gonna go over time a little bit. I think the lady in the front had a question.
2: Uh, well, you've you like to make movies about people that have been humiliated, um, and also many of your films deal with the topical subjects, or, or political. Um, are you thinking of making potentially anything about the Japanese
3: yeah, well, talking about uh, Japanese inter- Japanese-Americans' Japanese ordeal at the internment camp, I actually uh, came with a story in, about 10 years ago, and I researched. the went to the Hira River camp, and, and it's a really interesting story about those uh, internees um, uh, organized as uh, baseball teams. But unfortunately, it was made into... Cheap movie, so I have Ban- to wait Vancouver for another. Vancouver
2: Asahi is somebody. Oh uh, no! Not
3: only that, but um, okay. prior to that, the uh, a movie with the uh, uh, what's his name? I forgot. Uh, I forgot the writer's, writer director's name. Uh, the, the Japanese American uh, who lives. Excuse me. Guy. Yeah. Well, wow, Anyway. That guy. <laughs> yeah, I even forgot the title. <laughs> But my, my take on Japanese internment camp is that, uh, not only about the baseball, but uh, Hira River camp was really interesting because Pat Morita was there, age five, and uh, Takamiko, who played the heroine of Sayonara, she was Miss Hira River, uh, camp. And so, you know, those elements are really interesting stuff. And also uh, one of my dream projects, big, big dream project is the ordeal of 447. So I want to make that story. And also I'm interested in, uh, well, Zainichi's story, well, it's not exactly Zainichi, but it's, I'm interested in the, uh, the great earthquake of Kanto in which uh, many Japanese killed many Chinese and Koreans because of those uh, rumors spread. But still, there are certain small number of Japanese tried to help those Koreans and Chinese and got killed. And that kind of story, I want to make a movie, but no Japanese investors. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I I have to work with Korean um, investors and then there's this uh, really interesting story about this, uh, uh, Well, everything relate with the World War II, but in Singapore, uh, 20,000 Chinese uh, kakyo, um, straight Chinese were massacred within one week after the Japanese sort of invasion uh, by the order of Tsujima Sanobu. And this guy is a sort of human. And, and he got away from all those uh, the atrocities he caused. And he even became a best sell, selling writer after the war and became a politician. And then in 1960, he disappeared somewhere in Laos and obviously British intelligence, yeah. Uh, probably killed so it. that story, I'm interested in that.
1: There was a question from... Lady. I just want to make a, a remark. Uh, it, it's interesting to me that even in Sekigahara, uh, you have a oh, sequence yeah. with Koreans. Right. And you, you're using yeah. a really Japanese story. I had never seen that before. You managed to have very discreetly, but...
3: You, you that, hear him. That's why the, some of the, what we call, netouyo, uh, internet uh, right-wingers, they heavily criticized Sekigahara because of that Korean character. So, well... But you felt you had to include that character. Yeah, well, actually, he, they are there. Yeah, they were. Yeah.
1: But usually, uh, so they don't make no it, they don't make it. Yeah, path. right,
3: Japanese authors, novelists, including uh, Mr. Shiba, just uh, omitted the idea of uh, foreigners were involved. involved. So
1: that was not in the novel? In no, the,
3: no. Uh, that's interesting, interesting.
1: We look forward to watching more of your films. I think we went a bit over time. So thank you all for coming and give him a round round of applause.
0: The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a non-profit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you.